The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right, Russ, I know you're excited about Turo because you got a truck on there finally after so long. I mean, whoop-de-doo, one truck. Tell me why I should listen to this podcast. Of course, I wasn't able to be on it. Why should I listen to this? Dude, this is the fastest way to learn a business and create cash flow with something you already own. And by the way, when you do it, you're going to realize you need to get another one and another one and another one and another one because they're going to be constantly gone. At least that's what our special guest today, someone who subbed in for you, bro. He oh. did a fantastic job. I'm actually in conversation with him about having a more permanent appearance as a co-host of the show. <laughs> But we, we had Ryan Bly as a passive income mastermind memory, someone who has taken this concept of renting cars to the next level. Super cool to hear him as we break down, what do I need to know in order to get into this business? Two, what does it take to run and operate the business? And three, what do I need to do in order to make a profit? And you like to make fun of this one truck I have, but I do have one truck. One truck I rent it out every single day for the last two weeks and is scheduled to be rented out for the next seven days, man. I mean, who, who in the world wants to rent your truck that fast? I mean, you just put it on the platform like yesterday, practically. It, it's, it's not even on the platform yet. Like I rented it off platform. How about that? No platform? How do you like those apps? It isn't even available on Turo yet because the family who needed it and wanted it snatched it right up. Man, how did you get the word out like that? That's so crazy. Well, if you listen to this podcast interview, you will learn exactly how I did that as well as how you can do that and others. Joey, get your chair, pull up to the table, and let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. Is this your first time joining us? Welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy. Must have a lack of father guy or bad internet guy. Just didn't sound so cool to me. Sadly today, I am without the stallion. As we break down renting cars as a passive income option. Look, I'm not certain if the stallion bowed out today because he knew I was going to make fun of his RV, aka Cousin Eddie and its lack of ability to earn a profit, but the car rental market is definitely an area that makes a profit. 
I looked this up before we got on the call today. The car rental market is estimated to have earned over $54 billion with over 29 million cars rented in 2021. By the way, I actually worked for the largest car rental company, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which has over a million cars in service and over $24 billion in revenue. So we're going to break this concept down. But look at it on a UME level with sites like Turo as one of the main features. Now, thankfully, I'm not alone. I've been joined by the dream team of financial coaches and I got a special guest. Stay tuned for that, a new addition. And I'm not talking about Mr. Telephone Man here. I got somebody else for you. All right, let's bring in the king of Beham, Mr. Real Estate himself. He's agnostic to his type as long as it produces cash flow. The multi-talented Jamie O'Brien. Good to see you, Jamie. Man, good to be here, Russ. Enjoying another damn paradise, my friend. Tell me, why is it important for us to break down renting cars as a passive income option? Well, Russ, you said something. Fifty-four billion is that what you said? I believe in in revenue uh, in 2021. Listen, people live in their cars. I'm agnostic to real estate. People live in real estate. So, uh, my thought is, how do you turn what is traditionally a liability into an asset? Right. Mm -hmm. We're starting to live in more and more of a shared economy. We're sharing cars. We're sharing houses. You know, uh, I've got an Airbnb or short term rental that um, I was trying to sell that we've turned into short term rental and that the thing's taken off. So how do you do that with something that maybe you can use and enjoy as well, uh, like a car that my wife wants a new one of and, and maybe not have to pay for it out of pocket? That's my thought. I love that. You know, I know our friend, CEO Matty J likes to say, he loves to turn liabilities on wheels into asset making deals. We'll get to break that down. But let me get over. Man, we got the doctor in the house. He's a DFM. And for you that don't know what that means, that's a doctor of financial medicine. And yes, he can resuscitate your financial situation. Mr. Automated Budget himself, Eric Hudson. Great to have you on, Eric. Thank you, Russ. I got a fever. And the only prescription. It's more passive income. Yummy. Tell me, why is this so important for us to be breaking down today's topic of renting cars as a potential passive income option? Holy smokes. It, it seems like the newest, um, freshest thing out there that the, so many people are talking about right now. And on some level, I think people have FOMO. And so it's just important when there's a new hot thing out there, a new shiny object to make sure you do your due diligence. I, um, Russ, I don't know if you know, I've recently started playing pickleball mm. and, uh, in my group, I, uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. And, uh, so I thought potentially I was a little higher level than I was and jumped in with a couple other guys the other night, happened to jump in with somebody who was ranked number 25 or whatever, and whatever listing that is. And, um, I realized I didn't know as much about pickleball as I thought I did. So I <laughs> I jumped in the deep end a little too early and that can happen to us on the business side too. So it's just, uh, you know, make sure you learn before you jump in. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to do some learning because we brought in a special guest today and our special guest has brought sexy back to the car rental game. So Justin Timberlake, you better watch your back. Black Rover, white Rover, send Mr. Turo right over. Welcome into the show, Ryan Bly and get your sexy on. What's up? What's up? Glad to be in the house with some awesome, awesome people and uh, excited about what we're going to unpack today. Tell me, why do you believe 
breaking down this car rental game is so important. Look, bro, I think this is so important because this is such an easy, easy step for all of our listeners who are wanting to get started on a passive income journey. What easier step to take than a, a very small view, get set up on a platform, and it's definitely um, an easy way to go. Let me tell you a little story about that. So in 2020 was the first time I ever rented a car on Turo. Super easy process. Um, I really loved it. I came home and thought, man, I could totally do something like that. That's super easy. My wife's always wanted a Range Rover. I should totally buy one. You know what I did when I came home from that trip? Nothing. Went back to work and didn't do anything. 2021 rolls around a year later. My cousin calls me up in Orlando. Hey, guess what? I just bought eight cars and I put them on that Turo thing you were telling me about last year. And I'm like, what? You did what? FOMO. That's what happened to me. What did I do after that? Nothing. Went back to work. And then in 2022, got a part of a mastermind with some great guys, guys in the room today. And you know what that finally did to me? It surrounded me with people whose normal behavior was my goal behavior. I heard a really smart guy say that one time. And that... When I came home from that trip, you know what I did that time? I went out and bought a car. I bought a Range Rover that my wife wanted. A couple days later, the thing's rented out constantly. Bought a Tesla. A couple days later, I don't even know where that Tesla is. It's constantly rented out. January rolls around, bought another car. Here we are today. We got 10 cars. That is so stinking cool. Here's why I believe, guys, that this is so important for me, right? As a dad of four with two that are, 17 and 15 that are aging up. I believe this is the fastest way to learn a business because my goal is to teach my kids how to be an entrepreneur. The problem is though, our business, the done for you land flipping is done for you, right? I can't really do a whole lot there. Our uh, short-term rental business. Yeah. That's done for you too. We got an operator running that business. Our information company. Yeah. We got people doing all that stuff. So it's hard for me to teach them how to be an entrepreneur when they're like, okay, well show me. And I'm like, well, um, I can teach you how to run a podcast, right? <laughs> I can talk to I can teach you how to talk to smart people who know how to do stuff. But really, this Turo platform, this renting cars platform for me became a really simple way in my mind to say, okay, I can teach my kids all they need to know about business by buying one car. And that's what we did. We bought one car. And we're going to not only find out what profit is, what makes up profit, right? What is depreciation? What is maintenance? What are labor costs? How does all this play into making money? And that's what this opportunity gives. So gentlemen, I'm going to break down today's topic for us. Thankfully, Ryan, you're the one with the most expert experience. We're going to lean on you a ton, but asking you probably a lot of the questions from these things, but I'm going to break it down into three areas with me. What do I need to know first in order to get into this business? Number two, what does it take to run or operate this car rental business? And three, what do I need to do in order to make a profit, right? Because at the end of the day, what does this actually mean? Is this going to create cash flow that could potentially exceed my monthly expenses, which could let me out if I want to be out of my daily job that maybe I don't like. All right. So looking at this, Eric, thinking about what do I need to know to get into this business? What question stands out to you first that we need to dig into? 
Yeah, I think with anything, um, your education is always going to cost you something, whether it's on the front end or the back end. And so I, I just wondered, like with Ryan, was there at some point where you did market analysis or did you start slow like Russ and let's, you know, let's dip our toe in the water, see if we can do one first and how that turns out and then just build on it without risking a lot? Um, yeah, so I think everybody learns differently. Um, some people are huge researchers, some people are doers. The way I approached it was I went straight to the number one guy I knew of, which was one of our friends, Matty J, um, and scheduled a couple calls with him. Uh, there, he puts out a really awesome course that has great content to it. We went through that course. And then from there, I started tailoring what, what he really helped show me was how do I build this for myself and for goals that we have and that we want to achieve? Because this can be approached in a million different ways. And so from there, I did my own market research and started figuring out how we wanted to build a business and what key components we wanted in that business. Jamie, what about yeah, you, man? What, what, do you, what do you think as far as like, how do we get started in this business? What questions do you, do you think we need to uncover? And I think a, a real simple one, and, and Ron, you alluded to it earlier, this is kind of a low barrier of entry. Or, you know, you said it was it was easy to go out and get a new car. So I'm, I'm just curious, kind of what do those startup costs look like? You know, what do I need to expect to really get going on this platform? Um, as far as startup costs, I mean, if you're wanting to do this properly, we got to form an LLC. We got to um, be very conscious about liability. So you have a startup cost there, which is not very much. And then um, depending on how you want to build your business, you either start with a cash car. I mean, there's a lot of great $5,000 Honda Civics out there that will rent really, really well for a low daily rate, but a lot of low risk. Or you could also go out and finance a brand new car and uh, $0 down. You can start with virtually nothing. Well, you know, I was doing a little research on this and the, the beauty is that Turo is probably one of the main platforms out there. I know there are several others. They have a calculator. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. A calculator that lets you actually research in your city. I, I think they maybe do it in most big metro cities. So for us, I just went to Atlanta to get some options, but they will actually show you based upon the price of the car, which ones are doing the best. So in Atlanta, right, $30,000 to $50,000 cars, they're saying that a Cadillac what is that? CT5, CTS? I'm not certain. I'm not familiar with Cadillacs are earning on average annually up to over $15,000 per car, right? Where if you wanted to go up and spend 50 to 75K, you get into the Range Rovers, like what you were talking about, Ryan, things that you're renting. And those cars tend to be the most high performing, earning upwards of over $35,000. Uh, I think that that's pretty cool. Like, so one, figuring out what is working, right? So is that kind of what you did when you were like, hey, what are we going to rent? And I know you said the first car you went and bought was a range. Was it because you saw this calculator thing or you're like, I want to drive a range and I'll figure out a way to uh, rent it as well? Well, Russ, I think that's a good question, but it's a little bit of both. Um, we did, I did get on there. I looked at the calculator, you know, took the closest market to us, which happened to be Atlanta. I'm in Birmingham um, and filtered through that data. But then it also weighed in on what's my personal goals. Um, my wife had always mentioned a Range Rover, something like a dream car, something that we would pr probably never buy personally. Um, and then a Tesla was something that I've been super intrigued with. 
So I kind of started in that route, but we wanted to build a business that also led to relationships down the road. Um, so we kind of stuck with the higher end car market so we could have some higher end relationships. That's super cool. All right. I want to break down like just some of the simple things, practical deals. Like one of the things that I know you and I had conversations back and forth on was, okay, do I need to incorporate the business? And then how am I going to buy these cars? Do do I have to buy them in my name? Do I, you know, is there a way to get, if I do get a business, is there a way to get business credit for it? And then lastly, the insurance component, right? Can I just go to my Allstate, State Farm, Travelers, Progressive or whatever and get car insurance for those? Or do I need to go get other ones? How would you address those questions? So first question being, Forming an LLC. Yes, I think that's a number one. I think you should do it. Even if it's one car, you have to separate yourself liability wise from any type of business that you're going to run. And then we kind of move to the financing piece. Um, depending on who you are, where you come from, what type of businesses you've ran, uh, business, getting financed through the business might be a little more difficult. Um, so it might be easier to just finance the cars personally and then eventually put them in, uh, title them in the LLC. And then insurance wise, that was kind of the biggest roadblock for me in the beginning. And the biggest learning curve was because the first thing I did was, you know, I called up my local insurance agent. He's like, oh, yeah, totally, man. This sounds like a great, great idea. I totally think you should do it. Let me get it to the underwriter. Three, four days later, he gets back to me. He's like, hey, underwriter, no go. We ain't going for this. Not going to work. And I'm like, really? And he's like, but I'll refer you to someone else, a different carrier. 100%. They'll do it because they do um, like Uber Eats and stuff like that. They'll be good to go three or four days later comes around underwriter, no go. We're not going for it. Not going to work. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, call one of my other buddies. He does like really high liability stuff. He can handle it. Called him. Same thing. Not going to work. I think the concept is still a little too new. Mm. Um, the insurance carriers are kind of a little, it's a blurred line of when the car is rented on Turo, Turo is covering insurance. The only reason we need insurance is for when I personally drive the vehicles when I'm back and forth to the car walk, back and forth to the airport, or when I go get a car tag, but it just doesn't quite make sense on paper yet. I think it's coming. Um, so I think your, uh, your normal local insurance agents will be able to do it very soon, but I just haven't found the option yet. So then we took a, another whole nother road, which was commercial insurance and just went straight to who does enterprise use? Who does budget rental use? I started doing research on that and I found a couple different options there and started pursuing those and then got linked up with somebody really good that has uh, taken care of us from the beginning with commercial insurance that's made specifically for renting cars. And I'll add one more nugget to that. It also helps us do private rentals, which is really the end game. We can't rely on building a Turo business. We're building a car rental business. So we want to get some stuff off the platform eventually, which currently uh, 40% of our fleet is off of the platform today. That's so cool. Well, I, I experienced exactly that thing. And I, I was surprised because really I it's only going to be me or one of my family members that would be driving it to drop it off or to go back and pick it up. I was like, well, why couldn't we just have our insurance if when, when it's being rented, it's being rented on some other person's insurance, but you're dead right. They were like, no, but in order for me to buy it, cause see guys, I bought my first car was a truck. Now people are like, well, you rednecks live in Alabama. That must be what you thought that like a truck's going to be a great rental or something. And while I think it possibly could be, remember, all I'm trying to do is teach my kids a business. 
And part of business is knowing that all businesses don't make money. So I'm going to teach them how to lose money in a business. <laughs> so I got a pickup truck. But yes, my house is one mile, literally one mile from the garbage cans where the uh, where the garbage trucks come and pick up. So I was having to like throw trash cans on top of my car and or trash bags on top of my car in order to get the trash from my house there. And I was tired of doing that. So I wanted a pickup truck, right? And what, what dude doesn't like a pickup truck? So if it doesn't rent that often, that's fine with me. I get to drop it off. But one of the first things that happened to me, I, I bought this car through Carvana. I want to talk about this a little bit because part of the startup phase is buying vehicles, right? And trying to pick out which vehicles do we want and then where will we buy them from? And there's lots of different, I guess, analysis and thought processes behind this of, what is the best way to buy a car? And Jamie, Eric, I know you guys haven't done the Tarot car game yet, but I want to ask you, what do you think is the best place to buy a car? Because I bought mine on Carvana because it seemed easy. And by the way, it was. It was super simple. They literally drove it to my house and dropped it off. And I, I'd never gone through that experience before. What do you guys think? What do you think is the best way to buy a car in your opinion? Man, I'll take that first. Well Okay. Sorry, Eric, to jump all over you, but uh, you know, I'm a big relationship guy. So I, I personally would look for a dealership where I could build a relationship with a salesperson or a salesperson or even a general manager. Tell them what I'm building from a business standpoint, um, with the hopes uh, that eventually I could potentially maybe get either bulk pricing or better pricing on the vehicle uh, over time as I bought more and more of them. That would be the first thing that comes to mind to me um, was to build a local relationship. I'm big on that. And if I can support someone locally and have a win-win relationship with somebody in my own community, that's what I'm going to try and do. What about you, Eric? Are you going to the dealership? You buying on Carvana? What you doing? Two things immediately came to mind. Uh, first was to see if I could pick up some rental cars from companies like Enterprise or like Hertz or whatever that were trying to roll some off of their inventory and see like Jay or like Jamie, if I could create that relationship and try to pick up a couple of those a year, maybe three a year, depending on the growth of business. And then maybe even in the beginning, um, trying to search auto trader and buying from an individual to see if I could get uh, some sort of deal. Just keep my eye out for a deal. Always looking for a deal. All right, Ryan, how'd you buy your cars? Okay. Just like Jamie said, everything is built on a relationship. If this is going to be long-term, we got to do it making a relationship Two people that I sought after. Remember, we just go to the number one guy. We went to Matty J. So now we're at the car buying stage. Let's go to the number one people. I got on my market, figured out who had the nicest cars in Birmingham because I knew I wanted to go Range Rover, Tesla, nice car route. Found the number one dealership in Birmingham and went straight to him and told him what we were doing, exactly what we're doing, built a relationship with him. And then also went to a Chevrolet dealership because they have Tahoe's, Suburbans, that high-end executive clientele built a relationship with him right from the get-go, tell them what I'm doing, show them the business model because they know cars. We don't know cars like they know cars. They know numbers. They know what to sell it to me in the beginning for. They know when for me to bring it back, how many miles on it, take the car back. They're going to give me exactly what I'm going to need to trade that car in so I don't lose money. They've been doing it their whole life. So why do I need to try to learn and reinvent the wheel? Mm. God, man, I thought I was doing something smart, guys, but buying on Carvana, so I just got just kicked in the groin right there. 
All right, let's let's move on to the second point. Right? Hey, I do want to say something, Russ. Okay. The truck will do much better than Cousin Eddie. Okay. Oh, uh, I, <laughs> well, I mean, considering that Cousin Joey. Eddie is the floor, the bar to get over, right? Like that doesn't require. It's like when we're at the gym doing box jumps, and I'm not doing real high box jumps, but there's an older guy. He's probably in his mid seventies. He goes over there to where the you know the squat rack is, and you know it's always sitting on about a two inch little platform. He'll come over there and look at me. He's like, "Oh, you guys doing bike jumps today?" And he'll he'll bend down and he'll jump up on the little two inch you know platform <laughs> and say, "Got it in there too." And I think that that's basically where cousin Eddie is for that situation. So if I don't do better in cousin Eddie, I'm really in bad shape. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. All right. Let's talk about how do we run this business? What does it take to operate the car rental space? There's a lot of logistics that I have not even done yet. I have rented my car one time. Right now, it's on a midterm rental, right? And that rental is to a, a wonderful family whose daughter, who's learning how to drive, just happened to run her mother's car into the house that they live in. And uh, that car is sitting in the shop being fixed for about three and a half weeks. And it was, it was beautiful timing that I could provide this truck to that wonderful family who still needed to drive their trash a mile to the nearest trash cans. So I, I've not had to deal with the whole drop-off phase, Sounds familiar. phase yet, right? So talk to me a little bit about the logistics, Ryan, of how do you handle that whole part? What What's your strategy and what are you doing? Okay, so logistics. I do want to get into the weeds just a little bit so that we can really understand what this does take because I think we're all seeking after this passive income. But in the beginning, I mean, there's some logistics that have to happen. Uh, we can start with someone has to drop off that car, right? That's going to be rented. So on Turo, let's just use Turo as our platform. You can choose your drop off and pick a location that the renter has to be. For me, it's just a mile from my home. I didn't want it to be at my personal residence. So there's a public parking area a mile away. That's where it is. So it's not too difficult. Drop the car off, you know, 30 minutes before the rental let them, as soon as they drop it back off, I'll run down there and pick it up. That does take two people. So you have to be surrounded by somebody who can help you with this. Um, otherwise you're going to be trying to Uber back and forth to these vehicles. And that's just going to, you know, eat up all the profit that you're, you're earning. Um, once dropping off, picking up the car, uh, there's a lot of pictures that have to happen. Um, in order to cover yourself on Turo's insurance, you have to have, you know, 15 to 20 exterior pictures of the car before the rental starts. Then you're going to need 15, 20 interior pictures. Everything is proven through pictures because there's no rental agent standing there with a clipboard uh, marking every dent and ding on the car. 
Um, car washes. That's probably your biggest thing. What we did, first thing we did was went to an express car wash. We signed all the vehicles up on an express membership where it's no sweat off our back to run them car wash, run the cars through the car washes three, four, or five times a week. Um, if there's like one bit of mud on a back flap, I'm running it through the car wash. I mean, before every rental, it's going through there, fresh air freshener. Um, it's also, you know, getting a vacuum and everything. Um, and then from there, uh, I mean, there's just a lot of different logistics on the platform of what you can choose, your daily rate, how many miles you want the people to drive, if you charge them for mileage over, um, how long the trips have to be. If, if you're a busy person throughout the week and you only want to rent it on the weekends, you can set, set it to where the car's only available on the weekends. It has to be two or three days. There's no one-day rentals. You can set up hours, uh, what time the car is available to pick up and drop off. Lots of different options. That's amazing, Ryan. What, uh, what kind of buffer do you build in between rents to give you time to, you know, to do the pictures, to do the washing, to, I guess you're always leaving it at the same public parking place. So, you know, to transport it back to that location. That's a great question, Eric. So when I first started out, I was a little nervous with it. So I did like a six hour window and then I realized you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that long. I'm available for more trips if I can make it a smaller window. So what I've done now, which seems to be a sweet spot for us is a three hour buffer. Um, I know that when the car comes back, which I know what time it's going to come back because it's on the reservation. I have three hours until it can, is possibly available to go out for another, which is more than enough time to run through a 10 minute car wash, vacuum out the floorboard, you know, anything I need to uh, make happen. Ryan, one, one follow-up question. Are you uh, doing all this yourself? So you've got 10 cars now. How busy is that keeping you just uh, keeping up with those? No. So actually we had an awesome, awesome opportunity happen to us about a month and a half ago. I don't like doing anything alone. Um, I actually own a a lot of uh, other small businesses as well, but this was something that was super intriguing. And I was uh, sharing this with a friend of mine. He's like, man, this is super cool. I want to, I want to be a part of this journey too. I want to do it as well. And then the more and more we talked, we were like, hey, why don't we just kind of come together on this? So we actually formed a partnership and he jumped in with me last month, bought a couple of the cars and he's in it with me as well. So, uh, no, I think 10 cars would be too much for one person to do. Um, but with. We muted yourself there. He's saying too much good stuff. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. You, you said uh, with 10 cars were too much for one person and then you got muted. Yeah. And so I think with having two people, it's very easily manageable now. Okay. Man, this is great, Ryan. I've got a few questions and I think this will kind of segue us to kind of our next, our next topic, but I'm real curious, kind of two part question as you're building a team, who, who do you need on your team to make this successful? Cause right. You mentioned that we're all chasing passive income. Um, obviously there's going to be a time commitment with any new business upfront as we build this thing. But as you think about kind of uh, building a team out, who do, who needs to be on that team? And then I'd just love to hear some keys to success that you've learned uh, since you've started as, as you continue to grow. Sure. I think building a team is something that has to be a part of the original game plan. Um, you can't run cars around in circles all the time, especially if you're wanting to get more than one vehicle. Um, so something that we're trying to develop right now is a college student. I mean, what better job for a college student? Um, I mean, Russ had been there and done that as well. I mean, they get to drive really cool cars, wash them, take pictures of them. 
Um, they're, they're messaging on a platform, which is something that these, you know, younger people do all day long. Anyways, they get to learn how to build a business, which is something that we're passionate about is showing others how to run a business, very similar to Russ wanting to do with his kids. Um, so I think looking for that younger person that has time, um, to be able to do that and help alongside that as well as you just need a couple close people to you that might just be available. Um, my wife and I were attending a marriage conference this past weekend. And at the last second, we're in the middle of the conference. I got a booking, which I had what I talked to Eric a minute ago. There's a three-hour buffer. So I had three hours to all of a sudden get a, I think it was one of our uh, white and blacked out Range Rovers. I'm supposed to get to a pickup location. So I text two or three friends like, hey, is anybody available to run that car down there? And one of them jumped on it right away. Like, yeah, totally. I got your back, man. Man, so thank goodness. Because I know, I know yeah. how my wife would be if I was in the middle of a marriage conference. Like, hey, we got to go get this car over here. You know, like that <laughs> right. would go over like a, a bag of rocks. I guarantee you. No, I think just talking to your network of people, what you're doing and letting them be a part of your life and you be a part of their life. Um, and so I think that's definitely one of the keys to success when you're starting to build your team. Has this happened yet? Where, cause when I was at enterprise rent a car, people would ask me all the time, like, Oh, how do you know, you know, when those cars are coming back and then, and you know, when my car is going to be there, cause they'd come walk in the door and it's like, is my car here? As if like, you know, whenever they book their reservation, we actually set their specific car, which is, I know it's different in Turo because there actually is a car they're renting. It isn't just a specific size car. But for us, we never knew when a car was going to come back because a lot of times they're being used not for a specific like vacation. Like I'm going to Orlando on Saturday. I come back on Tuesday. It was my car's being repaired and yeah, I thought it was going to be seven days. Now they're telling me it's three and a half weeks and it's like piss. That's good. You know, when you're renting a car, um, the, you're the car rental people. But yet, if you're the person trying to organize the logistics of I need to have this car back. So have, so long winded question to come back more specifically. Have you had a situation yet where the car was supposed to be back and you had somebody in, you know, a couple hours coming to pick it up and it wasn't available. They didn't bring it back. They needed to extend. And if so, how did you handle that? So one awesome thing about using a platform like Turo is Turo doesn't, it blocks off the dates. So when a renter gets on there and rents a vehicle, they rent it for a certain period of time, maybe seven day. And if they get to the end of the seven days and they need additional days, if that car's not available, they cannot book that car any additional time. So they would have to return that vehicle and then find a different car on the platform that's needing to be rented, which helps us as hosts avoid that situation. Now I have had uh, one time, maybe two or three weeks ago where I had a car coming back and exactly three hours later it was going out. Well, the person bringing it back was an hour late. Um, of course there's fees involved with being an hour late. You can charge them. It wasn't a whole lot of sweat off my back. I happened to just have to, I sat at the pickup location for an hour but I had still had enough time with that three hour window to clean the car, turn it around, flip it, get it back out. Okay, cool. All right. One uh, last logistic question before what do we need to do in order to make a profit? And that is how do people get access to the car? So they rent it, let's just say using Turo as an example, and you're not necessarily there when they come pick it up. What do you do? How do they get in there? Do they have to message you when um, they get there? Do you unlock it remotely? Do you give like some sort of key box situation? How do you guys handle that? So there's two different uh, roads to go down on that. 
uh, I'll explain the road that we've chosen first. All of our cars are virtually uh, a lot newer and all of these cars have um, apps with inside them. So like Chevrolet, Ford, Range Rover, Tesla, all those have apps where you can lock and unlock the car remotely. You can start the car, you can honk the horn, all those similar features. Well, Turo has um, an application called Turo Go. You sync your Chevrolet app with Turo Go and the car is forever synced to that. So as a renter, they rent a Turo Go specific car, which is more desirable because they can, it's contactless. They walk up to the car, they open up the Turo app. They now have access to unlock and lock the vehicle during their time period of rental. So I don't have to be there. They walk up, they unlock the car, the keys in the glove box, they pop the glove box open, they're off on their rental. I mean, people are walking off airplanes and stepping into their car within seven to nine minutes, no waiting in line, which is very, that's where I think this platform is really going to grow because it's just totally disturbing the car rental space. Um, the other road is, let's say you put on there a 2014 Honda Accord. Well, they didn't have that application back then. So at that point, you're either meeting the guest at the car, handing the keys over to them, taking a picture of their driver's license. Um, or I have seen some hosts that put a lockbox on the window. To me, that's not my favorite. I mean, it's just, it's sitting in a parking lot screaming, hey, I'm a rental car, you know. Um, and you have to make sure that that renter is uh, taking the lock off the car during their rental. They're not just leaving it hanging outside the window. No, that, I had no idea that exists. That's super cool. Can All I right, ask so, a follow-up question real quick before we jump into that? I'm curious. Earlier, Ryan, you said that about 40% of your cars were off-platform. So do you mm -hmm. handle those separate differently than you do with the Turo rental cars, I would assume? Is that a different process? Um, yeah, so the offer off-platform, I mean, we have a car rental agreement that we docu-sign over to people, and they just send back um, that form filled out, a copy of their insurance card, a copy of their driver's license. And then as far as them accessing the that, I do have to be a little bit more hands-on. I still lock the key in the glove box, lock the car, leave it at the drop-off location, but they do have to message me when they get there. And then I Perfect. just pop up in my phone, unlock it for them, and they're good to go for the rest of their trip. Man, so this can be super automated. I love that. Yes, I very automated. That. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I and as that. we're speaking of automated and um, some kind of logistics to this, there's a separate platform now that syncs with Turo that automates all my messaging. So mm. when you immediately book one of my cars, it sends an automatic message like, thank you so much, Russ, for booking my 2023 Tesla Model 3. We look forward to hosting you while you're in Birmingham. And then uh, a certain amount of hours before their trip, it sends an automated message like, hey, Russ, glad to talk to you again. Here's a couple keynotes to keep in mind while you're renting my Tesla. If you need to charge, blah, 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 blah you know, all these different things. And then uh, six hours before their trip ends, automatic message. Hey, it's been so awesome hosting you. If you would kindly leave us a five-star review of your trip, that would be awesome. Um, so that part of it, we totally automated. That's super cool. I love that. All right, let's break down what do I need to do in order to make a profit, right? Because there's so many of us who are listening to this thinking, hey, I'd like to drive a Range Rover or a Tesla or Suburban or one of these fancy cars. And is it possible for me to do that and make a profit? How do I do that? How do I calculate the profit first? And what all needs to go into that calculation so that I end up truly with a profit, not a fancy car that I've rented out that's costing me money. Ryan, what would you say to that? Yes, totally. So everybody's situation is different. It's all how you build your business. It's what's your overhead, how much are you paying yourself? There's a lot of different factors that go into this. I'm just going to share with you what our 
has been so far and kind of a little formula that we've created for ourselves. Um, we take our car payment, whether we have financed that car or whether we have um, using our own financing through our IBC systems, um, we take what would be a car payment. We add $275 for that because that's what our expenses are on the vehicle. That $275 includes like our insurance that we pay on it, the car washes, the parking fees that we're having. Um, we take that number and we divide it by 10. We want our average daily rate. We want this car to pay for itself in 10 days. Anything over 10 days, that's what is going to be our profit. That's so cool. Well, I, one of the things I think, you know, just some simple math, and you were covering some of this, but I'll just bullet point for people. Yeah, what is that average daily rate? How how often can I, I rent it out? What are all those maintenance costs, cleaning costs, labor costs, gas costs? Those are things that we need to add in, right? Because we do have to wash them. And, you know, I was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car in a suit, sucking up my time on a regular basis right, to do that stuff. They had to pay me, not a lot, but they paid me pretty decently to be out there doing that. And we had drivers and we had car preps and other people. And there was a, a lot that went into that process. I want to talk a little bit about, too, what sort of upsell opportunities are there? Are there ways to make revenue on top of what that daily rate is? And if so, what are some of those things? And there's a lot of different upsell opportunities, just like uh, Airbnb platform. If you've ever booked a house and there's multiple things they're trying to upsell you on. So in, in Turo, just a couple really easy ones is prepaid gas. Like who all has flown out at an airport at 6 a.m. and you don't want to stop at the gas station before you fill it up. Um, you can go ahead and prepay $55, $75, whatever you want to set as your prepaid gas option. So many people do that. And, you know, every time they bring our car back, it's like still has three quarters of a tank in it. And they just paid $75 for that upsell uh, charge on the front end. Little did they know when they were going to bring the car back, it was going to be almost full. Uh, another option is delivery. So we've just opened up the, our international airport. It's about 20 minutes from where our current location is. We're like, hey, why don't we just offer a delivery option there? Tons of people fly in. So we put a $75 delivery fee on there or maybe a $50 delivery fee. Easy money. Um, car seats. Car seats are a big one, especially with our Tahoes and Suburbans. I mean, families are flying in. They don't want to bring car seats with them. Um, that's a super easy $25, $35 option uh, to put on there. I will say something real quick when we're on car seats. We just leave them in the trunk. We allow the guests to install them on their own for liability's sake. What about like additional driver fees? Like when I was at Enterprise, we'd have people in come in with multiple personalities, and we'd be able to get an extra fee there. What, what's the what, what's the protocol on additional driver fee? Can you make money there or no? Uh, so that's going to be on the Turo side of things. Turo's going to make money, but they will not pass that money to you. Uh, yeah, so they'll allow additional drivers on there, and they're they're going to charge them, but it doesn't come to the host. All right, all right. Lastly, as we go to exit, guys. What other questions do you have for Ryan on ways to um, make a profit um, as we round out this podcast? Jamie, you go first. 
Man, I think really my, my mind goes to, so quick story. I tried to get on Turo with, I have two vehicles. I have an old truck that I use for the hunting camp and for construction. I mean, that's about it. It was too old, if I remember correctly, to get on there. And then I've got a little Honda Accord hybrid that I, when I was back in the sales world, was driving all over the place, multiple states. And if I remember correctly, it had too many miles. So there's got to be a, a lifespan of these cars that you buy. And I'm just curious, how do you figure out like, what is that lifespan to keep you profitable before you have too much depreciation in that vehicle? Kind of, I know you talked a little bit about your formula earlier of what you're looking for, for your average daily rate, but how do you figure out, how do you sell it? What do you sell it for? What you're going to owe on it and kind of what that break even point is going to look like from that point, from that standpoint. Sure. I think it depends on what vehicles you get in. Um, so with our brand new vehicles, what, what I did was I just kind of looked at enterprise and these larger rental places. When, when are they selling off their fleets? Um, and talked to a couple of people there, talked to the car dealership. And I noticed that a lot of these cars uh, get traded back in right under 50,000 miles. Hmm. So I was like, hmm, okay, there's got to be something to that. Uh, digging in a little bit more, like with the general manager at the car dealership, he's like, oh yeah, totally. Get the brand new car. You don't have to worry about any repairs. You don't have to worry about anything bring it back before it hits 50,000 miles, which on these rentals is going to be 12 to 18 months. Awesome. What question do you have for Ryan? Yeah, I was, I'm sort of curious as to, I, I can't remember if Ryan said how long he'd been doing this, but maybe what he thought the scalability might look like when he started and you know what he's thinking now, however many months or even a year later. So when I first started this, I thought, Hey, I'm going to get my wife a really nice Range Rover and I'm going to get a Tesla and these things are going to pay for themselves. And it'll be really cool. They're not going to cost me any money. Right. Uh, like Maddie J once had told us these are, you know, assets on wheels or liabilities on wheels. And we're going to turn them into assets making deals. But then I just saw what was happening. These cars were never in my driveway and I just didn't understand it. And I'm like, okay, so what can we do from here? And that's when we teamed up, got a lot more cars. And then talking about scalability now, I mean, this is a profitable business that is really going to work. So we're developing, um, we're putting the final touches tomorrow on our co-hosting program. So something that we're super excited about. We're already number one in Birmingham. We have the most cars in our market, um, but we're thinking that we want to try to take this thing up to 100, 100 cars. So how do we do that through co-hosting? And what I mean by that is somebody goes out, they buy a car, they truly don't want to do anything. They pass that car over to us and we, it's a total management company. We message on the platform, we clean the car, we drop it off. And if you're in a different city, there's co-hosters in every city that are doing this for a small fee. And that fee is small compared to you're getting a car that's paid for and your cash flow on top of it. So cool. How, uh, have you guys thought about extending uh, your offering to RVs? Cousin Eddie. I don't know about that one. <laughs> we heard that uh, Cousin Eddie's in great hands now. <laughs> we'll, that, to be determined, right? We will see. It, it is definitely in new hands. We'll see if it turns out a profit. And for Joey, I am hoping it will because I, I'm tied to that stupid passive income report where he has to keep putting that negative number on there. And I, I'm sick of it. Well, all right, guys, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to come around and get a final thought. Eric, final thought on renting cars as a passive income option. Well, I'll have to say that um, I'm, I know, Russ, that you're, yours and Jamie's personality is DI. So that means you're jump and build a parachute on the way down. I'm not sure what Ryan's is. Uh, I'm an SC, so I came into this, um, you know, probably a three, two or three in my mind. 
And um, I'm going to tell you, Ryan has convinced me to take a closer look at it. Maybe I'll be his first co-host. Ah, love that. Jamie, final thought. I love it. I mean, as I mentioned, I looked into this a while back. If I can ever take something that I already have and and make it an asset instead of liability, I'm going to try and find a way to do it. I just was looking at it through the long, wrong lens. You know, I should have sold those old cars and just got the wife the new car she wanted and rent it out. So the the problem with that, Ryan, I don't know if you run into this, is if I buy my wife a new car and tell her we're going to rent it a little bit to, to make it pay for itself, that ain't going to fly. So, <laughs> so I don't know. However, and what if we just buy two and one can help pay for the other, right? I mean, so that's where the scalability comes in. So I absolutely love it. I love, Ryan, that you brought up. This makes perfect sense to me to incorporate infinite banking, you know, my system with that, with the cash flow, being able to take maybe that down payment or, you know, depending on your system, just buy that car outright, feed yourself back. Um, I, so I love it. I, I definitely going to look into it more as well. Very cool. Ryan, man, we've had a lot of fun with you on the show. You've given so many nuggets. If you got one last final thought for us, what would it be? And it's been such an honor to be here. I love talking with you guys. I think my final thought would just be get out there and do something. If you haven't taken a step to start uh, in this passive income journey, what a greater, easier step than this. And I'll tell you one super short story about this. The partner that came in with me uh, recently He's a W-2 guy, never owned a business in his life, super stand-up guy. And just to see the joy on his face, now that he sees how much bigger the world is with passive income and in play, I mean, he's just been loving it. And uh, it's just so cool. He, he told me the other day, I didn't realize how easy it was to make passive income. I just needed to get out there and do it. Wow. Man, I can't even top that. I'm letting that be the final thought. This has been amazing. I hope that you have found value. I know you have, but don't allow just what Ryan said to be the end result. You still need to know, is this fit in your investor DNA? And the way you can figure that out is by going to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Jump on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches. They'll walk you through our process, help you understand what that process looks like to understand what your investor DNA is. Do you have a vision yet? Has it been written down? Do you have a strategy to accomplish it? All those things are well within your reach when you have a coach and a community to help you get there. We're always appreciative for you listening. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.